It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Trey Gowdy. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, August 16th, 2023. I'm Jared Halpern. We are one week out from the first Republican presidential debate with the front runner still a possible no-show. I'm sure he'll, if he's not on the stage, try to do something just knowing him. But um, I, I think it's going to be fascinating and how candidates react and how viewers react uh, if he's there or if he's not. We speak with the moderator, Fox News special report anchor, Brett Baer. I'm Dave Anthony. One week before the first presidential debate, Asa Hutchinson is still trying to qualify. Confident Republicans want an alternative to the frontrunner mired in legal drama. There's so much unpredictable in regards to that, uh, that I'm safe in saying that uh, right now I'll support the nominee because I don't expect it'll be Donald Trump. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. How do you win a presidential debate? Sometimes it's just about having a moment. Senator, I served with Jack Kennedy. I knew Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy was a friend of mine. Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. That quip from the 1988 vice presidential debate from Democrat Lloyd Benson, directed at Republican Dan Quayle, ultimately did not turn the tide in the election. But the line has lived on. More recently, at a Republican presidential debate moderated by Fox News in March of 2016, then-candidate Donald Trump made light of an earlier jab from Senator Marco Rubio. He hit my hands. Nobody has ever hit my hands. I've never heard of this one. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee So who will have a moment a week from today when Republican presidential hopefuls gather for the first time on a debate stage in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? And who will be on the stage? Former President Trump hasn't committed, now facing felony charges in four separate cases in four separate jurisdictions. Listen, I think it's a part of this primary. It's just what everybody is talking about. It's obviously taking the oxygen out of the room. Brett Baer is the anchor of special reports on the Fox News channel and the co-moderator, along with Martha McCallum, of next week's debate. These candidates on the trail... Uh, They say they talk about a lot of different things, but when they're asked questions on the trail around some of these indictments, it's all about former President Trump. So whether he's on the stage or he's not on the stage, he essentially will be on the stage because dealing with his indictments, what he said about all of this uh, will factor in. And it's a big part of the GOP frontrunner who's up by 10, 20, 30, 40 points, depending on the poll. You made the point there, whether he's on the stage, whether he's not on the stage, because I know he has not yet committed to participating in the debate. Um, what's your instinct on whether I mean, my, my thought is he probably lets this play out as long as it, as it goes uh, before he, he maybe makes it official. But but how do you prepare for a big unknown like that? Well, you have two stacks of questions. <laughs> one with Trump and one without Trump. And um, and it's a little different because you have to kind of work the way that you're going to 
ask questions and who's going to rebut who. You know, listen, we're at 50-50. He said he's not closed the door. I think most of his political advisors have advised him not to do it. But, you know, it leaves an opening, and he's not a guy who loves not being in the spotlight at the time. And um, we'll see. We'll be prepared either way. Back in the 2016 cycle, the second debate, candidate Trump boycotted Mm -hmm. in uh, Sioux City and... um, And he did not tell us until about two hours before the debate. So we literally were walking out with two stacks of paper and a podium that was being moved in and out. So I don't know how it will factor in if he shows or he doesn't. We'll be prepared either way. And um, for the most part, it doesn't change the substance of the questions. No, and I I don't doubt your performance or your ability to prepare. I I do wonder how some of the other candidates approach it, right? I I would imagine that their preference is that he is there, right? Because the challenge, if you were uh, maybe not Chris Christie, but the others who have kind of skirted the the edge on kind of how to to go after maybe Trump's personality or or the indictments, but not his policies, probably want the opportunity to, to kind of confront him over some of this stuff, no? Maybe. And there's two ways to look at it. Obviously, um, a lot of these candidates who have been talking about a two-tier system of justice and how wrong it is, in their words, that uh, the former president is being charged like this, but yet still say, vote for me because I'm the policy without the chaos and the baggage. I'm not sure they want that face-to-face, but... Mm. You know, it depends on the candidate. I know that somebody like Chris Christie, he wants the extra time. And with one one fewer candidate on the stage, he, he would get the time. He would not get the opportunity to have that moment up against uh, the former president face-to-face, at least not yet, if he wasn't on the stage. So I think there's different calculations. Um, as tough as it is for us to prepare for with or without, I think it's tougher for candidates to kind of map that out in their head. Yeah, it certainly changes the strategy, right? Because if if Trump is there, if the former president's there, that's going to be the focal point, I would imagine, of most of the other uh, candidates on that stage. So let's let's assume that it goes the other way. The former president does not attend. Who kind of becomes, do you think, the focal point for all of the others? Is it DeSantis that kind of takes the most arrows? Do you see Chris Christie taking a a lot because he's kind of set himself apart as the anti-Trump Republican in this race? It's fascinating. I don't know if it sets up like that. I think it, mm-hmm. without the former president, it may be every man or woman for themselves and trying to make the case. You know, we're going to try to facilitate conversations that focus on the differences and have candidates, you know, interact with each other, you know, on substance, on policy, on contrast. And Ideally, that back and forth is illuminating. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. debates are different. They're not town halls. It's not an interview. Debates are more formal in their presentation, but ideally, the best debates are the ones where there's a back and forth. And um, we'll see if we can get to some of that. What are some of the, I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about the former president and sort of how he's going to loom large over this proceeding, whether he's there or not. But you make a good point about the other issues. And there are some serious policy disputes that, you know, the Republican Party is trying to work its way through. Um, Where do you see those conversations? Is it Ukraine? Is it how we move forward to ease inflation or expansion of some of the, the manufacturing sectors? 
I think it's all of that. I think Ukraine is obviously a big issue where different Republican candidates on that stage will have different takes. Uh, and the party itself is is conflicted. I think it's abortion. And speaking about um, one voice on abortion, uh, there is not. And the GOP has suffered in some states because of that. Democrats sense that vulnerability and have tried to put these referendums on states uh, that we've seen, I think, seven for seven uh, going towards abortion rights uh, voters. So I think there are a number of those issues where the contrast will be stark on the stage and the conversation will be interesting. There will also be obviously opportunities uh, for these candidates to talk about how they plan to beat, if they are the nominee, President Biden in the next fall. You know, the synergy is that on this same stage, the nominee will accept the nomination for the Republican Party in Mm -hmm. Milwaukee. Uh, So it's kind of bookends beginning and end. Yeah, that's a a great point as well, that this will be where the uh, Republican nomination is uh, decided in, what, seven or eight months from now. Let's I'm curious as somebody because you've done a lot of these debates. All right. This is like nine or ten for you for I think this is the ninth, the ninth. Ninth, uh, Yeah. Presidential. So how do you personally prepare? I know you're a sports guy. Do you like go back and watch old tape? (laughs) <laughs> no, every <laughs> cycle is different. I, I try to learn from past mistakes and, uh, you know, things that I could have done differently. But each time is different. Uh, Martha is great to work with. And we've been kind of talking about questions for a long time. Uh, so we will in the next you know few days really hone in. I like to say that there's you know, these pieces of giant coal and we're just polishing them down to get to a diamond of a question that prevents the candidate from getting to the off ramp to uh, talking points. So ideally getting to some honest answers and some real exchanges that uh, help voters decide. I think um, if we can get to the end of the debate and it's more about the candidates on the stage and what was said and less about the questions or the moderators we're in a much better place. What's the, uh, I know the format is what we've seen before. Um, are there time limits? Are you going to have that there bell are. back with you? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, we're going to have the bell. So get your dogs <laughs> ready across America. We've had some. That was a popular <laughs> some, feature. It was. I mean, it's easy for people to see when they go over time. However, you have dogs running to the front door across well, America. Okay. Um, so. <laughs> The time clock will be 60 seconds uh, to answer a question, 30 seconds if you're mentioned or somehow part of the question to rebut, and then 30 seconds if it's in a back and forth situation with with candidates. Um, overall, there's two hours. Uh, there'll be two commercial breaks. And, you know, we'll use uh, video questions from around the country. There'll be some visuals. But for the most part, we're talking about probably seven candidates on the stage Mm -hmm. and uh, getting as much out of that as we can. Um, It ends up being about 14, 15 minutes a candidate. That feels about like the right number. I know that, you know, in in years past, there was multiple debates and multiple stages and, you know, seven or eight feels like a pretty good spot now. Yeah, it's manageable, I think. Really good debates are, you know, the three, four uh, debates. If you have multiple people in, if you get down to that number, you really have some substantive discussion in a two-hour debate. So hopefully later in the cycle, we'll see whether the former president shows up this time or not. But eventually, he's got a debate. 
in the primary, and I think it'll be fascinating to see. Do you think these debates are good, especially maybe for the newer candidates who haven't had this kind of experience? I mean, this is really as much of uh, a preseason as you can get for the main debate, right? Because ultimately the nominee we would expect would have at least a couple of debates with President Biden. Yes, and I think it's all about getting that muscle, uh, using that muscle and getting used to that uh, environment. And one of the things, again, Donald Trump as candidate did very well, is he did well in the GOP primary debates and then eventually did well in the general election debates. He had kind of a couple of rough runs, um, but when he did excel, it made a difference in how people viewed him. Well, I mean, and you're right. It's a it is a muscle that you have to exercise, and I know that's been one of the uh, calculations again to, to sort of go back to where we started with whether or not the, the former president uh, decides to join this debate. Yeah, I think so. You know, again, a, a lot of people are pressing me. What's my guess? <laughs> I'm I not going to put uh, you on the spot. I won't. No, take no, no. I'll give you a candidate casino. <laughs> I mean, I really do think that that the um, the political pundits who are inside his campaign are probably going to win out. So I'd say 70-30. But the 30 with Donald Trump is a real possibility because you never know (laughs) with him. And after these Georgia indictments, maybe he wants to be center stage. Maybe he wants that moment. I'm sure he'll, if he's not on the stage, try to do something just knowing him. But um, I I think it's going to be fascinating and how candidates react and how viewers react Uh, If he's there or if he's not. Yeah, uh, and certainly that's who it's for. This is uh, intended to educate voters and, you know, make these candidates answer tough questions off of uh, off of the stump speech. And I know you and Martha are going to do a terrific job. I'm looking forward to uh, watching along and and joining as part of our our radio coverage as well. So, Brett, uh, good luck to you and and Martha and uh, the best of luck as you travel and prepare. Thanks, Jared. News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. The clock is ticking for the Republicans who have yet to qualify for next week's first presidential debate. One of them is getting help. From Ronald Reagan? If you believe in the values that I believe in, there's a man you should get to know. Asa Hutchinson. Give Asa just $1 today to help him secure his spot in the debate. That's a political action committee ad showing a clip of then-President Reagan with Hutchinson back in the 1980s. Well, the former Arkansas governor has met the polling requirements for the debate, but not the fundraising criteria yet of 40,000 donors, at least 200 per state. But... He says they're making progress. And so we expect to be on the debate stage. We've got to keep it up at a clip of about 1,500 new donors every day to make it. But we're on target to do that. We caught up with Asa Hutchinson while he was campaigning in the first contest state. I'm at the Iowa State Fair. I encourage people to go to asa2024.com. And it's easy because it just takes a dollar donation to qualify as a donor to help me get on the debate stage. A lot of candidates have used different methods to get there. Some have put gift cards attached to the donation. You have used 
Ronald Reagan in your commercials. Former President Reagan, obviously beloved in the Republican Party. You are in the ad with him. How did that come about? First of all, uh, absolutely. We're using a lot of different techniques, but we're not giving away money. Uh, We're doing it the old-fashioned way of getting donors and support. But I was thrilled to have Ronald Reagan uh, in the ad that was produced and not part of the campaign, but it was great to see it out there. And that goes back when I was a young United States attorney under Ronald Reagan. So he's been a mentor of mine. And not many people have a clip that showcases the, the relationship with Ronald Reagan. Former President Trump, the front runner in this race, has now been indicted four times in the last several months. Georgia was the latest one that came out uh, late Monday night. You've been a critic of the former president and his conduct. Fourth indictment, your reaction. This will be another instance in which our country is divided. You're going to have some people react and say, why did it take so long to indict him? He's clearly responsible. And others are going to say he's a victim that uh, the Justice Department uh, and the criminal justice system is pursuing him unfairly. And so that's the sad part is that it does divide our country. The key thing is that he misled his supporters. The facts are almost undisputed that he misled his supporters in terms of uh, trying to overturn the 2020 election. And he continues to do that today. And that's where he's broken faith with the American public. This is going to be decided most likely at the ballot box. And so we're not taking off our focus of getting votes and talking about uh, the vision of America that I think is important for our future. One of the requirements to be on the debate stage next week is to sign the Republican Party pledge that you will back whoever the presidential nominee is for the Republicans. Will you sign that? Well, first of all, President Trump has said he won't sign it. Uh, that he can't support the nominee of the party. So he's likely to be excluded unless they change the rules. From my standpoint, uh, I will support the nominee of the party because I expect it to be me or someone that I can support. So uh, I don't expect it to be Donald Trump. That's my uh, position, and that's what's required to get on the debate stage. Right. So you sign it, and let's say it doesn't work out for you, and let's say that he becomes the nominee. You signed it. Would you go out and support him? Well, It's too early to know exactly how that shapes up because uh, President Trump could be disqualified for running as a candidate under the 14th Amendment. And I expect that type of legal challenge uh, to uh, uh, follow him into the court. So there's so much unpredictable in regards to that, uh, that I'm safe in saying that uh, right now I'll support the nominee because I don't expect it'll be Donald Trump. Okay, hold on. You just mentioned former President Trump being disqualified? How? There is a legal theory making the rounds. Two conservative law school professors working on an article for the University of Pennsylvania Law Review have released a preview arguing that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment that dates back to right after the Civil War, forbidding anyone who had held office and taken an oath to uphold the Constitution from holding office again if they participated in an insurrection or rebellion. And they cite Trump attempts to overturn the 2020 election and the Capitol riot. Now, other legal scholars scoff at their theory and if it can apply here. Asa Hutchinson thinks Republican primary voters will ultimately dump Trump. Here in Iowa, as I talk to voters, uh, people are ready to move away from him. And that doesn't mean they think the prosecutions are all meritorious. 
They just understand what's fundamentally good for America. And it's not Donald Trump or Joe Biden uh, being on the ticket opposing each other next year. They want to have a change. Now, you have in other venues gone out and said your piece that you don't think he belongs and have been booed. I mean, he has some very strong supporters. You've seen that at the Iowa State Fair yourself. How do you convince them otherwise? Well, he does have strong support, including in Iowa. Uh, Now, here, uh, Iowans are so nice, regardless of who they support. Uh, This is uh, the area. This is an example of how democracy should work. But I just don't sense that uh, his level of support that's reflected in the polls right now will be what it is two, three months from now. I expect those numbers to change, and they have to change. Otherwise, he's going to be the nominee. And and it's and what will make that change is that people start looking at who can win, and secondly, who deserves our trust, and who's going to accomplish the conservative agenda that we want uh, out of our out of Washington, D.C. And Donald Trump is not the answer to any of those questions. And so that's what's going to persuade voters to go a different direction. I know you expect to be on the debate stage next week. Would you rather former President Trump be there or would you rather him not and have the stage for all of the opponents to yourselves? Well, I'll take it either way. Uh, If you don't have Donald Trump there, you're going to have a lot more serious policy discussion, talking about the economy, talking about energy prices, uh, the rule of law in our country, which are three important issues for me. Uh, so it'll be a totally different flavor of the debate. If Donald Trump is there, guess what? Just like it always is, it'll be about him. What is the biggest issue, in your opinion, outside of all the Trump and the legal issues in the Republican race for the nomination? What is your biggest issue? Well, the economy, of course, because those are pocketbook issues, which involve our energy prices are at the gas pump. Uh, And then thirdly, and this is an increasing issue, is the rule of law. When people see the smash and grab thefts in our store that that really reflects anarchy in our country, we know that we've got to get back to law enforcement, the rule of law in our country, and we got to change that culture. And uh, whether it's at the border as people come into this country or whether it is uh, in the streets of America, that's a growing issue and concern. And that's where I'm spending some focus because that's my background as a federal prosecutor, as head of the DEA. I know what needs to be done. But on the federal level, you can only do so much, even if you're the president of the United States. The decision to charge some of these people is on a local level, and there have been some progressive DAs who have not charged to the degree that a lot of Republicans have wanted. Uh, that's true. It is primarily the local responsibility, and that's changing, and the President of the United States can help change that culture and draw attention to those challenges. And then secondly, there is federal grant money that flows to our criminal justice system at the local level, and that should be conditioned upon uh, making sure that uh, you're going after violent criminals, that you're not uh, giving them a pass whenever they uh, commit thefts. So there is some federal leverage that can be used, as well as the leadership of the president. What would you do to deal with the situation at the border? Well, a couple things. Uh, first of all, build the wall with the material that's already there. Uh, secondly, you reform our asylum laws to make sure we're not releasing someone into our country when they're not qualified to be here. 
And then you've got to go after the cartels. And the cartels should be declared foreign terrorist organization because they're bringing the fentanyl poison into our cities and they're causing the human suffering that Americans don't like to see at the border. And we've got to change the influence of the cartel. They need to be declared foreign terrorist organizations. We need to work with Mexico to go after them. President Biden is in his 80s now. There's been talk of trying to come up with a way for mental competency. Some Republicans question his his mental acuity at this point. What do you think of that? You're 72 running for president. How do you see the age factor here? Well, uh, that's why you need someone with youthful vigor in the race. So it's not just Joe Biden and uh, Donald Trump. So I would be the youngest <laughs> one in the race. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, in, in a much more serious tone, uh, every time you meet the voters, uh, they're looking at your mental acuity. And so that will be an issue in terms of uh, Joe Biden's uh, health and and uh, viability as a president. Uh, and, and so the voters, will, it'll be an issue to them and they'll make their judgment on that. Uh, I, I think it's important that uh, we not trust our future to Joe Biden or Kamala Harris, uh, that we need different leadership. All right. One last chance to make your case. One week from tonight is the Republican debate. You're trying to get and meet the threshold. How can people do that? Well, thank you. Everybody go to asa2024.com and it just takes a dollar. Donate a dollar, five dollars, and that helps qualify me for the debate stage. asa2024.com. All right. On the other side, if for some reason it doesn't happen for you. It's not the only debate. There's a second debate that's also set for Fox Business Network at the Reagan Library in California. Would you stay in the race and be on that stage and go for a number two? Well, and that's the question. If you have a reasonable chance of making the threshold requirements to be on the second debate, then sure, that's a justification for staying in. If you can't reasonably make it, it becomes very difficult. I expect to make the first debate certainly uh, would expect to make the second debate, even with the increased uh, thresholds that the RNC might set. Asa Hutchinson, former governor of Arkansas, in the Republican race for president. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you. other news. I'm Gianna Gelosi. Artificial intelligence makes a lot of headlines for its dangers, but researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology want to use it for good. They're developing a wearable ultrasound scanner that could be attached to a bra and provide women at a high risk of breast cancer with more frequent screenings between mammograms. The goal is to help women detect breast cancer tumors in early stages and maximize the survival rate. The device attaches to the bra like a patch with a honeycomb pattern that has open spaces for the tracker to move through for an optimal field of view. It generates a wave that targets breast tissue and then an ultrasound image if an obstacle like a tumor is detected. Scientists say it could work as a great complement to existing screenings, but not as a replacement. But they say it still could be three or four more years before the device is available to consumers. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gianna Gelosi.
Hey, everyone, it's Kennedy, and you can listen to my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It's going five days a week on the Fox News Podcast Network. We're bringing you all the fan favorites. Listen on Spotify, Apple, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. What's on your mind? So here's a feel-good story you might have missed. While everybody was busy indicting Donald Trump and watching Joe Biden shake invisible hands and sniff babies. Seriously, they need to get that guy a shock collar or something. The music world has a new sensation named Oliver Anthony, who shot to the tippy top of the iTunes country charts after the viral debut of his new song, Rich Men North of Richmond. The video has been seen by over 2 million people in its first 24 hours online. And as you listen to this, Anthony now has seven songs in the top 10, including jams called I Ain't Got a Dollar and I've Got to Get Sober. If I didn't know any better, I'd think he was reading my diary. But the reason this dude has gotten so big so fast is because everyone finds his lyrics relatable. For instance, Rich Men North of Richmond focuses on the challenges of getting by as a member of the working class at a time when politicians are taxing the pants off your dollar and welfare abusers are buying new pants with what less than that dollar. He sings about low wages, high suicide rates, and the heartbreak of being an old soul in a new world that's becoming less recognizable by the second. And he sings from the heart in a way that really does shake you to your core if you're one of those people who actually has a heart. Of course, every story needs a villain, and it didn't take long to find one because Rolling Stone magazine slandered the song as a favorite of right-wing influencers within hours of it exploding onto the charts. You know, you'd think Rolling Stone would like explosions, given the gushing cover story they gave to the Boston Marathon bomber. But they were hardly alone with NBC also trashing it, calling rich men north of Richmond a, quote, conservative anthem. If these descriptions sound like they're meant to dismiss people's interest in the song, it's because they are. You see, places like Rolling Stone and NBC have become human shields for the Democratic Party. And in order to do so, they instinctively attack anything that might make the conservative party more appealing. But the truth is, the issues Oliver Anthony sing about are facing every party. We're all getting screwed by high taxes and selfish politicians, which is why polls show that 70% of Americans think the country is headed in the wrong direction. As brilliantly talented as he is, Oliver Anthony's song about everything sucking wouldn't be going viral if everything didn't suck. It's no different than the Jason Aldean song, Try That in a Small Town. The only reason a song about stopping dirtbags was popular is because we got a lot of dirtbags to stop. It's like, hello, there's a reason you always see an advertisement for Gamblers Anonymous on the way home from the casino. They know who's on the road. But at these gas prices, we're lucky if anybody's driving. Seriously, I went to fill up my car the other day on the west side of Manhattan. They don't even have prices on the pumps anymore. They just show you a picture of the romantic act you're going to have to perform on the gas station owner to fill up the tank. I'm half kidding, but Oliver Anthony was dead serious when he said that the quality of life has fallen off a cliff in the past three years, which is why if liberal propaganda pushers like Rolling Stone and NBC really wanted to help this country, they'd lay off Oliver Anthony and tell the folks in Washington to start singing a different tune. Be sure to listen to Fox Across America with me, Jimmy Fallon, weekdays from noon to 3 on foxnewsradio.com. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Starting Monday, August 21st, the co-host of The Five and co-anchor of America's Newsroom returns with a brand new podcast. I'm Dana Perino, and this is Perino on Politics. Subscribe to the series wherever you download podcasts. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.